our current study on Sunday mornings, Proverbs chapter 6, a series entitled Timeless Wisdom. If you're with us today without a Bible, just flag one of these guys. I'll get a Bible into your hand and, and uh, you can follow along, not only hearing, but reading as well, which is important. And if you don't own a Bible, make that Bible a gift uh, today. Um, Sunday nights through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and uh, we're currently studying the, the book of Acts, and that happens at 6 o'clock in the evening. Each of you are invited to that as well. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Let's pray together. Fathers, always we thank you for your word, the chance to turn to it. Most of our lives, all of our lives, um, a week is filled with all kinds of voices speaking to us. Voices from without, voices from within. And how we need to come to something that is eternal. Something that is going to outlive the heavens and the earth. Something that we know is trustworthy and true. And we thank you that your word is just that. We pray that you would take your eternal word and give it an eternal place in each one of our hearts today. We pray that you would do this miracle by your Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So far in our topical study of the book of Proverbs, we've examined God's wisdom concerning our need for wisdom and the place of the fear of the Lord in that, uh, wisdom's invitation and warnings and promises uh, to mankind, uh, that there is to be no generation gap uh, in the passing down of God's wisdom within a family. We've learned about the ingredients to a God-directed life, perspective for God's chastening in our lives, the blessing of God's wisdom in our lives, how to be a good neighbor, the blessings of a godly heritage, uh, the wisdom of being sexually chaste, uh, money, how to view it and how to uh, use it. And we're only in chapter 6 of the book of Proverbs. So we get the sense immediately that God is going to be very, very thorough in imparting his wisdom to us. He's not going to leave much to us. Uh, to define in our lives on the, by virtue of our own wisdom or the wisdom of the world, which is exactly how uh, we want it. And we certainly get a sense, uh, even early in the book, that, uh, of how great our need for God's wisdom is in every area of our lives. And this morning we come to God's uh, words of wisdom to the sluggard. Uh, a sluggard is a lazy person. Uh, maybe you've uh, said uh, to your children while they're growing up or a friend or whatever in life, stop being a slug. And uh, they're being lazy or they're being slow moving. And uh, it refers to the person who doesn't want to work uh, or if they do work, they won't work very hard. 
uh, that kind of person in life. Uh, you've probably heard uh, in the course of your lifetime, sometimes somebody making the reference to uh, the seven deadly sins. And uh, sloth uh, or sluggardliness, I don't know that there's such a word, or laziness uh, is on that list, along with lust and gluttony, greed, wrath, envy, and pride. That list of sins came into existence through a group of Christian monks uh, in the fourth century. And they came into existence by virtue of observing uh, what sins uh, occur in a person's life or exist uh, that are especially effective in destroying a person's life, uh, especially effective in severely uh, destroying the life that God uh, intends us to live. A couple hundred years later, Roman Catholicism came into contact with the list, and uh, they took it where the Desert Fathers never intended it to be uh, taken, and they designated these uh, seven sins to be uh, something that if committed, they would require special confession and special penance uh, for them to be uh, uh, forgiven. And if you didn't go through their special penance, then uh, they, uh, these sins would result in the death of the soul. But the list predates Roman Catholicism and again, originally compiled as an observation to the sins which are capable of uh, destroying a human life and very detrimental to living the life that God has called us to live. Laziness is a very serious uh, business and issue, and it will destroy a human life as effectively as any other sin. And so we don't want to be guilty today of just dismissing it as some kind of a, uh, a lesser thing uh, or uh, that, that this thinking that it's kind of foolish how much space uh, Solomon has given to the area of uh, subject of laziness in the book of problem, Proverbs or to uh, view all of this as relatively unimportant. If we don't think that laziness is destructive, all I need to do is talk to a parent of a lazy child, uh, especially a, an adult child, or to talk to them, uh, 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 to a child about a lazy parent, or the husband or the wife of a lazy spouse. spouse. The Bible defines sloth or laziness as a sin. And we're going to see in just a moment, it's heavily addressed and it's heavily condemned all the way through the book of, of Proverbs. But the New Testament uh, defines it as a sin as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even if we uh, were with you, Paul wrote to the church there, we commanded you this, uh, if anyone will not work, not cannot work, but if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We might remember that in Jesus' parable uh, of uh, the talents, uh, that he condemned the man who hid his talent and was lazy in his dealing with it, and uh, instead of putting it into work, and, with, and Jesus condemned that with the words, you wicked and lazy servant. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 
Paul writes, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive uh, the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. Now let me uh, be very, very uh, quick to add that sloth is something that is very different from uh, rest. And so to rest is not to be slothful. So no one in life, and it's not uh, uh, intending this, this is not what uh, Solomon is addressing or the Holy Spirit, nobody can run in life continually uh, in fifth gear. And so we remember that when Jesus sent the 12, the apostles out on kind of a short missionary journey to take the gospel out into uh, the land of Israel, that they came back from the demands of that, uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, trip and uh, that season of ministry, and he took them aside into a quiet place in order that they might be refreshed after the demands uh, of that. Sometimes we'll hear somebody say, well, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And of course, uh, if those were the only two choices, I would too. Uh, but we shouldn't mistake those as the only two choices in the Christian life, uh, or uh, that, uh, that these are the, the only two ways to live the Christian life. Uh, there's something very, very different than that. Uh, they, those extremes aren't our, only our best choices in our Christian service and life. It's also helpful, I think, in this regard to realize that man was created by God to work. We were created to work. Uh, we were created to be productive in life. And that, <clears throat> and that not only that it does something uh, good in us, but work does something necessary in each one of our lives. Sometimes you have people who are under the misguided uh, view uh, that work came into existence as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden uh, of Eden, and that work is a part uh, of the curse. But work is pre-fall. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, And the Lord took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work or to cultivate it and take uh, care of it. And so Adam was... Uh, even before the fall, he was a, a gardener of sorts. He was a farmer uh, of sorts. And everything that, that God did in his creation, including uh, ascribing work to man and, and to Adam in that Garden of Eden, all of it is described as being uh, very good in, in God's eyes, uh, including work. The consequence of the fall in human history was not that life for human beings would now involve work, but that that work would now become harder. It would involve thorns and thistles and weeds and watering, uh, destructive insects and the sweat of our brow. Uh, as God declared to uh, Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake following the fall and toil you shall eat uh, of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field, and uh, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And so we've been created to work and be productive in life, and to fail to do so is to try and live uh, against the entire flow of creation, 
of God, how God created the entire world and universe around us, and it is to endeavor to live and to fight against how God has created us individually uh, in our uh, lives and how God has made us for character uh, development, for the self-respect that it produces in us and, and that we need. Uh, it's very important to keeping our lives active and keeping our lives well-directed uh, because as the old saying goes, idle hands and idle minds are still the devil's workshop. And the sluggard opens up his life to a whole world of temptations, a whole world of addictions that work would automatically keep him from. And I'm going to refer to the sluggard as a hymn uh, today and uh, know that I'm referencing both uh, sexes. And so uh, when we refer to work here, it's important to realize as well that we're not talking solely about a nine-to-five job or what it is that we do, uh, do day in and uh, day out, but referring to anything that God has called us to do, uh, whether there's a paycheck associated with it or there's no paycheck associated with it. The characteristics of the sluggard are given to us by Solomon, by the Holy Spirit, and he's very, very thorough through the book of, of uh, Solomon. I mean, really, through the Proverbs, he really pulls uh, no punches at all. And so let's uh, f uh, allow them to examine our lives this morning. First, the sluggard is the polar opposite uh, of the ant in every way. And so that's why the sluggard is called in the passage that we read uh, to uh, learn from the ant in terms of a work ethic. And so uh, the standard for industriousness, the standard for hard work is the ant. And I trust that every single one of us in our childhood or wherever, we have had the opportunity to sit and watch ants uh, at work, climbing up a wall or pulling off an insect somewhere and, and uh, whatever it's doing and to see how industrious uh, that, uh, that insect uh, is. And so uh, the ant represents quite a standard for hard work. The sluggard is above all selfish. The ant works hard for their own food, verse 8, and in contrast, the sluggard doesn't. He's irresponsible, and he's selfish enough, he feels self-important enough, entitled enough uh, to make uh, his responsibility for providing for himself the responsibility of others in his life. And so he doesn't care about others, he only cares about himself, he doesn't give any serious thought to how uh, how he endeavors to make his life the responsibility of other people rather than uh, his own responsibility to make his life the responsibility of others who already have enough responsibilities in their own life. And so he is uh, content to take and never give back. Now, I want to be careful here again. I'm not talking about the hardworking person who hits a circumstance in our life, whether it's because of an economic uh, downturn uh, and a, a layoff at, at work or because of health issues that arise uh, in, in our, our lives and, 
uh, we're, uh, we are uh, idled by that, so to speak, uh, because of circumstances that are outside of our control. Here we're talking about the lazy uh, person. The ant works hard, verse 7, and uh, without being constrained to do so. The ant doesn't need supervisors or uh, an entire layer uh, of administration and supervisors in order to get a full day, day's work out of, of the ant. Unlike the lazy person who endeavors to do the very least amount of work for the most pay, and they always need somebody on top of them to even get them to do the least amount uh, in, in life, to force them to work. And of course, this is equally unattractive characteristic in uh, a child or in a youth who has to be constantly prodded to get them uh, to do the things that uh, they need to do. And it's equally unattractive uh, in a spouse. The ant, we're told in verse 8, is wise because it works in anticipation of uh, its future needs. It stores up grain before winter comes. Uh, the lazy person never gives any thought uh, to their future needs. Uh, they're procrastinators, always figuring that somebody else is going to take care of, of their future needs. And so uh, very virtuously, uh, the ant uh, operates by the motto of uh, never put off till tomorrow what can be done today. And uh, the sluggard regrettably says, uh, never do today what can be put off uh, till tomorrow. In verses uh, 9 and 10, the sluggard loves sleep and idleness more than work. And so he has to, as Solomon uh, shows here, he has to be cajoled from his bed. He has to be virtually pried from his bed uh, every morning. Everybody else is up and moving into the day, uh, heading out into a new and productive day, and, uh, and he's still in bed. And Solomon there in verses 9 and 10, it's Solomon's way of telling the sluggard uh, to get out of bed and get to work. There's another proverb that speaks to this aspect of the sluggard, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. And so the door, it swings back and forth on its hinges, uh, but it never goes anywhere. And so the sluggard in his bed, there's all kinds of movement. He moves from one side to the other side, from the back to the front, from the front to the back. I mean, he engages in all kinds of movement, uh, but he never accomplishes anything in life. Also, the sluggard believes that there's another way to material blessing in life than hard work. And so he's, he is irrational in this regard, unwilling to recognize that nothing comes to us in life and that it's by design that nothing comes to us in life uh, in, in, except by hard work. Nothing in life works that way. Uh, for example, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, the soul of a lazy man desires but has nothing. 
but the soul of the diligent man shall be made rich. And so the lazy man, uh, he desires many things in life, uh, but those desires will never be realized because he's unwilling to work for them. And so uh, desire isn't enough to be materially uh, prosperous in life. Desire has to be coupled with discipline and diligence and with perseverance. And so his life is spent dreaming, his life is spent wishing for material abundance, but it never happens. And so he is typically someone who is always talking and dreaming without uh, the doing. And so his life becomes this long dream of what he wants to accomplish, of what he wants to do, of what he, he wants to have. And, uh, and it is a long, frustrating, unfulfilled dream, and he dies uh, unsatisfied and unfulfilled. And the sluggard needs to realize that desiring is not working. Uh, wanting is not working, but working is working. And because he wants uh, these things in life, he wants material prosperity and uh, abundance, but he's not willing to work for it, typically the sluggard is very, very sub, uh, susceptible to uh, get-rich-quick schemes. Uh, get rich without uh, the hard work. And so he'll be very susceptible to gambling, uh, very susceptible to the lottery, very susceptible to uh, uh, other get-rich-quick schemes as the path to riches. And he has uh, the wish but not the will, everything in life he wants to have handed to him. Ultimately, he becomes the master of excuses. So, and, and oftentimes resorting to uh, the wildest kind of excuses to, uh, to excuse his uh, lack of work or his lack of, of willingness uh, to work and to avoid it, to protect his laziness. There's several Proverbs that speak to this thing. Uh, among the most graphic, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside, and I shall be slain in the streets. Well, there were lions in Israel uh, in ancient times, uh, but by this time, there are very few, and, uh, and they certainly weren't in the cities. So this is like uh, saying some, to someone right here in Modesto and say, why didn't you go to work today? There's a lion out there, and, uh, or there might have been, and uh, so it was dangerous. And so I, I, uh, I feared for my life and I, I stayed home. Now, by the time you're using excuses like that, uh, you're, uh, you've used up most of your excuses now and uh, trying to be very, very uh, uh, creative. And so uh, I think Benjamin Franklin is the one who said, a man who is good at making excuses is seldom good for anything else. There's too much practice. Uh, he's become, it's become an art form and, uh, and for a reason. In that same vein, the sluggard lacks uh, perseverance. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 19. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, 
The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. And so that is, uh, the lazy man thinks that his way, his way of laziness, is the easiest way through life, but it isn't. It's a hard way through life, and it's a painful way uh, to go through life. Additionally, that proverb uh, communicates that he sees an obstacle in uh, every obstacle that he faces in life as an excuse to quit. Anytime anything becomes difficult, anything becomes uh, uh, hard, uh, then uh, the obstacle is used as a reason to quit. And so the sluggard will start a million things in life, but he never completes them. The proverb can also mean that he uses the difficult consequences of his laziness that are coming upon him in his own life uh, as an excuse to quit. So the imagery is he plants this uh, hedge alongside his walkway. Uh, He fails to trim the hedge. He fails to manage the hedge uh, until now it's blocking his walkway. And instead of blaming his own laziness for not trimming the hedge, he blames the hedge. Nothing can ever be his fault. Uh, He's always the victim in life, and he refuses to see that there's a sowing and reaping process in all of this uh, in, in life. And he never takes responsibility for the consequences of his own decisions, his own actions, his own laziness. Another proverb that speaks to the sluggard's refusal to finish uh, what he begins is Proverbs chapter 12, 12, verse 27. The lazy man does not boast, uh, roast rather, what he took in hunting. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, uh, but diligence is a man's precious possession. So he goes out hunting, Uh, He gets an animal, he takes an animal in hunting, but then he stops short of roasting it. Uh, He quits everything in life. He takes it partway and uh, and, and partway only in everything in his life. Further, he makes life hard or miserable for everyone else. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26, as vinegar to the teeth, I don't know the last time you've gargled with vinegar, but it sounds awful. Uh, As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, uh, so the lazy man, so is the lazy man to those who send him. You might have heard somebody maybe in the workplace speak about somebody else who's lazy and they'll say, he's uh, he's, uh, worse than useless. And here is the idea that he's so unreliable uh, that he makes his employers, uh, he makes his family, he makes whoever is dependent upon uh, him either want to spit or to cry. And to do so in in frustration and in aggravation uh, over their their, uh, laziness. Further, he's wasteful. He's a poor steward of things because he has never uh, had to work hard to uh, gain something or to earn something or to buy something. And because he never has, 
He doesn't value those things in the same way that a person who has worked hard in order to uh, get those same things, the person who has uh, earned it does. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 24. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. And the idea is he's at the table and here he is eating. Uh, he buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Uh, that's lazy. I mean, you're so close. You're so close right there. But he'll just waste all of it because he had no part in providing the food that was put in front of him. So he doesn't appreciate it. And then astonishingly, I mean, oh, just astonishingly, uh, the sluggard is proud. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And so he's not only proud, but he's unteachable, he's unrepentant, and, and he won't listen to anyone concerning his laziness. When it talks about uh, the, here the seven men who can answer sensibly, seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And so here you have, he is wiser than seven men uh, who uh, possessing the perfection of knowledge and, and discernment. Even they can't convince the lazy man to change his ways. Not only is he, is he lazy, in other words, he's a true believer in his rationale for living life the way that he does. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else. He thinks he's outsmarting the, the system. And he can honestly believe that he is smarter, uh, he, uh, that, that he is lazy because he's smarter than everyone else. And, and he can think that the hardworking person is the stupid person. The hardworking person is the sucker in life. The problem is, is that there's consequences to that kind of, of a life. Uh, you have to have a support system that allows uh, us to live in that place if we choose to live in, in that place. And the consequences tell a very different story than what the, the lazy man's pride tells him and Solomon's faithful to declare those things to us as well. You notice in the passage we read in chapter 6, verse 11, where uh, such laziness leads in life and, and the consequences of it. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And so uh, it results in poverty. And generally, if a person is lazy in life, uh, he will be poor. Now, there are people that get inheritances and all kinds of they win the lottery or whatever kind of thing that is, it would be an independent exception. But it's a rare, rare exception. To be lazy is, is to almost surely uh, uh, determine that we're going to be poor in life. That is not to say that the poor are lazy. Uh, the, some of the hardest working people in the whole world, all around the world, uh, are poor people. 
Uh, it is laziness that Solomon is condemning here, not poverty. Now, there are many proverbs in this book that speak to the same thing, that the life of the sluggard, it's a hard life, and it is intended to be. Uh, the life of the sluggard is intended by God to be a hard uh, life. Again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, Paul writes, I mean, by the Holy Spirit, for even when we were with you, many, many people were in the church there, and they were being idle, not working, and so forth. And uh, Paul wrote, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And why, why would Paul uh, find it necessary to write something uh, like that? Uh, because sadly for some, uh, it is only the resultant poverty and resultant hunger uh, that will uh, pop somebody out of uh, this lifestyle. Hunger is the only language they will understand. A, dish, a, a, a physical poverty uh, isn't even the worst of it, though. A lack of personal discipline that is always represented in laziness uh, is, a, is, a, is a part of the tragic consequences. And then the tragic loss of self-respect associated with a life of laziness. And, and, a, a, and that loss in our lives can result in all kinds of terrible uh, consequences in a life. In other words, for example, alcohol and substance abuse, a gambling, sexual addiction, a depression, anxiety, uh, isolation because of strained relationships in all directions, or uh, having uh, burnt the bridges to every relationship in their lives. There's a self-loathing uh, that is there and so forth. And so work in our lives is uh, far more than a means of putting uh, food on the table. It, is, it forces up us to develop uh, invaluable character in our lives. Work is even more important for us than it is for the person who we are working uh, for, than it is to others. The high, uh, one man put it this way, he said, the highest reward for a man's toil is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Uh, Charles Kingsley wrote in this regard, thank God every morning when you get up that you have something to do that day which must be done whether you like it or not. Being required to work and uh, doing so to the best of your ability will breed in you self-control, diligence, contentment, and a hundred other virtues which the idle never know. And it's true. Solomon also reveals the remedy for laziness. Again in verse 6, he says to the slothful, he says to the sluggard, uh, he says, go to the ant, consider her ways, and become uh, wise. This tells us that laziness in life 
is a choice that no one needs to stay in that condition that we can learn another way and then do it because that's what Solomon is telling uh, the, the slugger to do here go see a different way for how life is lived and then uh, do that and so uh, being lazy is not some kind of an inalterable personality trait. You know, it's just the way that I am. And it's, it's uh, or we can say about them, it's just the way that they are. Uh, no, that's, that's, uh, it's not to be hidden or to be taken care of uh, in, in that, that way. And so it's a sin that needs to be dealt with in our lives like every other sin. And so we're, if we're in that place, we're to repent of it, we're to have a change of mind, and that's what repentance is, to have a change of mind that results in a change of direction in my life. To have a change of mind about the lazy life that I'm living and to then move in the opposite direction. And so to repent in my attitude towards slothfulness confess that sin uh, to God as a sin, ask for His forgiveness, and then to commit to in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving it into, in our past and now uh, uh, allowing uh, the, the Bible's work ethic to become a part of our lives as a part of our relationship with God. And uh, that biblical work ethic uh, and uh, uh, that we want to ask for to, to be imparted by the Holy Spirit into our lives, to step out in that ability to do that and to change this in our lives. It's the same work ethic that marked Jesus. You might remember that even his enemies said of him, he does all things well. He does all things well. Jesus said of his own life and ministry, I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. You remember when he called the disciples uh, who were fishermen to come and follow him? And, and he came and there was uh, Simon Peter and Andrew. They were casting their nets into the sea. And then he called them to come and follow him. Uh, and, and then there was John and James. He passed by them and they were mending their nets and he called them to now become uh, fishers of men with him. But he chose men who were working, who were working. Uh, they were casting their nets and they were mending their nets. And, and uh, that, is, uh, that is the model, that is the example in the Scriptures for our lives. And it's the same work ethic that has marked really every serious Christian for 2,000 years. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, and that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those, not just the ants, but imitate those in life, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, we don't want to leave the passage in allowing it to search our lives merely on 
a physical level uh, in our lives, but to also search our lives spiritually. Because there is a whole world of Christians who work circles around everybody else in, in the workplace, but they live slothful spiritual lives. And so like the physical sluggard, uh, they can live utterly selfish, self-dominated lives, giving no thought to the two great commandments that encapsulate the entirety of the Bible, and that is to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And it's very possible to be a Christian, uh, work circles around everyone that works with us, and uh, give no uh, legitimate or serious time or consideration given to either one of those uh, commandments practically in our lives. Like the sluggard, uh, this kind of person needs constant prodding and supervision in order to grow in their Christian lives and service. Uh, like the sluggard, uh, uh, they or we will virtually, uh, with virtually uh, uh, live spiritually with virtually no thought given to the future or to future need. No thought to developing the godly character in my life that God knows I'm going to need in a month and in a year and five years from now if the Lord tarries. To say nothing of, of my future appointment uh, with God at the Bema Seat of Christ. Uh, and like the sluggard, uh, they believe that there's another path to spirituality than the path of diligence and discipline and, and hard work. Uh, like the sluggard, uh, they can be, we can be the masters of excuses for why we've been a Christian for so long and have never developed a prayer life never developed a, a personal individual with time with, uh, with the Lord uh, of reading His Word and seeking Him. We can be a spiritual sluggard in the sense of being one who quits the moment some commandment of God or some aspect of, of the Christian life requires uh, sacrifice. Uh, when it requires sacrifice, for some key uh, development of some key godly character in our lives. And when it requires that perseverance, then the spiritual sluggard will uh, uh, cease and, uh, at that point and quit. And then if we look at our Christian lives and we see that it's all take and it's no uh, give. I think about this in a... A pastor friend that I know many years ago, he was speaking at a pastor's conference, and and um, he went to the back door just like I do at the, after a service, and and uh, somebody, a guy came up to him and said, um, you, you know, we came to check you out, we came to see what you have to offer, and I mean, he just, it didn't, it hit him wrong, and the pastor said, what do you have to offer? <laughs> But I mean, that's the mindset. It's all take and, it's, and, and uh, no give. And that, that's a lazy spiritual uh, attitude. And so it's important to apply all of this 
concerning laziness, not only to a secular workplace, but to allow it to examine us in other areas of our life as well. And that is in our marriages. Have our marriages become ones that are marked by excuses, uh, marked by uh, the relationship has become one-sided. One person's doing all of the giving and the other person's doing all of the taking. Someone's become a sluggard within the marriage. To examine it concerning our child rearing or our schoolwork or our chores at home as a child or youth or our Christian uh, service. I, I, maybe you've heard on the radio, I have, where they run uh, this ad. It's the heart, heart department or, you know, uh, uh, heart health thing or whatever that department is in the, in the federal government. But they have an ad and they, they describe high blood pressure as the silent killer because of all of the physical damage that it silently does in a person's life. And slothfulness, though, laziness, though, is a secret killer as well of relationships, of marriages, of self-respect, of reputations. And we wouldn't recognize its danger, its real danger, in our lives except for passages of Scripture like this in the book of Proverbs. And for that, we are very thankful. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Thank you once again, Lord, for your word and... I can kind of, and we can chuckle at how um, thorough your being related to speaking your wisdom in all these different areas of our lives. And we know surely it's because you know it's necessary. And surely you do it as any father does because you love us. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the men and women that you're turning us into and the men and women that you alone can make us into and want to make us into. And we pray that this time and your word and the addressing of this subject would play its part in all of that. And we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you stand here this morning and you are not yet a 